Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good to see you. Thank you for coming to church. Got some special stuff planned for you. I missed you guys last weekend. Now say you miss me. Did y'all miss me? Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, y'all didn't even know I wasn't here. Hey, how about uh, Pastor Jared? Did he do a great job last Sunday? And, uh, you know, had a little emergency. I don't know if y'all know, but last Sunday was the perfect storm. Doors were falling off the hinges. Lights were going out in the women's bathroom. Amanda made Jared go to the hospital. And we still had awesome church. Isn't that something? The enemy can't beat us down here, can he? How about the choir this morning? Was that good right there? Man. When I grow up, I'm going to sing just like Richard. Thank God for our choir, so anointed, so powerful, so penetrating. I tell you, we could go home right now and get more church, and a lot of folks are going to get being there two hours, couldn't we? And I always thank God for all the gifted, talented, blessed people in our church. We're so blessed to have them. Here's one of the things I love about our church, and uh, we're going to get into the message today called Live Free. But one of the things I appreciate about this church is that you receive the Word of God in a lot of different ways. Uh, you, you love the arts, and you love creative arts, and um, you guys are welcoming that back in the church. Can I tell you that creative arts originated with God? Can I also tell you that Satan never had an original thought? He always takes what God already thought of, because he has no creative mind, and he takes it and he perverts it. And now we are reaching into the darkness and pulling the arts back in the house of God, amen, where they belong. I love me some mime and some dance, and I just love how uh, we just open ourselves up and say, God, express yourself through us any way you want to. And one of the good things about that is you got people sitting in the church who have uh, gifts like painting, like painting portraits and and. And some have the gift of painting our walls, and we love them too. But, but I, I, I'm better at that than I am the other kind of painting. But uh, we, we have people who are excellent writers. We have people who, we have people like Miss Barbara. Did y'all get to see Esther? Was Esther awesome? And uh, matter of fact, if you didn't get to see that, I, wanted, I don't know if Miss Barbara's here. Is Miss Barbara here this morning? Second service or whatever. Anyway, I want to do the Esther again. And here's why. Because I wasn't here. And I missed it. So I want us to do Esther again. Are you guys up for that? Us doing that again? Uh, sometime down the road. And um, uh, again, guys, I just really appreciate how you all are open to the expression of God's word in different ways. Now, what we're talking about in this sermon series called Live Free. Matter of fact, let me just mention this before I, I get into that. Did y'all see Scotty McCreary yesterday? Did y'all see Scotty? Did you see, uh, like, uh, Brent up there playing the bass for Scotty? I mean, Brent's up here. You know, you know Brent's wild on that bass. Let, let me do Brent playing the bass. <laughs> but he's awesome. He's awesome, isn't he? He looks like one of the darlings. Y'all remember them on the Andy Griffith show, the darling boys? I love Brent, man. He's awesome. So Brent was playing the bass for Scotty. And did y'all see Jane... Jane was doing backup. Now, what Brent lacks in enthusiasm, Jane makes up for it. And we love Jane. And, uh, who was that country singer that came out there who's a Christian? 
Yeah, boy, when he came out, did y'all see James? He's like, oh, my dear. <laughs> and there's Brent right there. She ain't, ain't seen Brent, you know. She's married to him, but anyway. But that was awesome. And uh, so, you know, even Scotty McCreary, unless he's got some Whitley Church there, he can't get it done. He's got to have some Whitley Church there with him. And uh, we appreciate uh, Jane and Brent being there. Um, but the gospel is what we're all about here. The gospel says man is lost. You know, I build you guys up as much as I can by telling you you're not born perfect and then you mess up. You're born messed up. Exactly. So we're born lost and we need a savior. And the gospel is that our God who made us has supplied a savior through his son Jesus. And uh, if we receive what Jesus did on the cross and that he rose from the dead and we receive him personally into our lives, we can be reconnected back to God because we were divided from him in the garden, in the Garden of Eden. What we're about to see on this video clip is... Um, is the bad news of the gospel. There's a bad side of the gospel. But see, you have to see the bad news and you have to understand the bad news in order to appreciate and receive the good part of the gospel. And what you're gonna see here is creative arts. There's gonna be music. There's gonna be the creative arts of media and special effects in media. There's going to be a guy painting a portrait. There's going to be poetry. There's going to be all kinds of creative arts in this presentation. How many of you back in uh, February, March, uh, were here for the marriage retreat? We had over 300 people. Well, you saw this clip. You saw this clip. It's called The Fall. So I want you to watch it, I want you to absorb it, I want you to take it all in, I want you to listen, but I also want you to watch very carefully because it is very, very powerful and then we'll get into the word of God today. Thank y'all for coming. The serpent, snake was the savviest of all of the creatures in the Creator's perfect planet. The reptiles surveyed the scene with keen snake eyes. Streetwise, armed with an arsenal of plausible lies, he slithered up to Eve, the woman, from her blind side, preserving the element of surprise. And he said, hello, child. How was your day? I overheard your conversation. I just had one simple question. Exactly what did the creator say? That thing about the tree, the evil and the good, how do you know that you understood? Did he really say what you think you heard? Maybe your mind twisted up the words. Did he say hands off all the plants? Don't look, don't touch, don't taste. What a waste that would be. Eve, the woman, pointed out the tree with the taboo. 
the tree of the knowing, the good and evil too. She told the snake that God had made it drop dead clear that everything else was free, every other tree. But if they took one tiny taste of the fruit of this particular one, they would absolutely, positively crash and burn. said the snake, faking genuine concern. The deity's afraid of what you're gonna learn. With just one bite, you be just like him. Eyes wide open, knowing the heights of what humans can do, knowing the depths, the despicable too. God would have no tactical advantage over you. You and your man could have the run of the place, total control over the food you eat, the life you live, the path you choose. With just one small bite, you could gain the whole green world. And that means that God of yours would lose. Woman Eve walked closer and closer to the tree. She sniffed and felt the fruit against her cheek. Totally wise with open eyes, she said. What's wrong with that? Maybe my man and I were born for this. Born to know, born to control, born to rule. She swallowed hard, and it was done. She gave some to her covenant partner, Adam. He opened his mouth and gobbled it down, and the universe was silent. It was the cool part of the day, and God was walking, walking through the land he made, his ecosystem so magnificently put together, about to erode, about to implode before his sad and timeless eyes. He took one long last look and kiss the innocence goodbye adam where you hiding son eve girl what have you done Around. It's broken now, under a curse, from bad to worse. Now your eyes are wise and clear. Now you know shame. Now you know fear. Now you know you're naked. Now you run for cover. Well, here's what's gonna happen. Life will be shorter. Pain will be greater. Work be harder, grinding it out by the sweat on your brow, the blood on your hands, Eve and Adam, even the bond you have will now be strained, slightly off, 
distorted, refrained. And as for you, reptile snake, Adam will crush your head. You will strike and bite his heel. You will feel the weight of the consequences of what you've done for eons. He looked them in the eye with a sigh. It's broken now, he said. And the serpent, he just smiled. <laughs> it's not the message so much that we applaud, but the giftedness, the creativity of bringing us the dark side of why we so desperately need what Jesus did for us on the cross. We're going to get into our text for this sermon, and the text is 1 Peter 3.18. But before we go to 1 Peter 3.18, I want to just go to Romans. Let's go to the book of Romans this morning. Go to chapter 5, and let's read about five verses right there, because it is so clear in the Word of God, and I don't want you ever to believe anything that I say just because I said it. If I ever give you my opinion, I usually tell you that's from Pharaoh Hardison chapter 6, verse 8, or something like that, so you'll know those are my thoughts and my ideas. But I want to I give you what the Word of God says in Romans 17, 5, rather, Romans 5, verses 17 through 21. He gives us the gospel over and over and over. He gives us the gospel in verse 17, then he turns around and gives us the gospel in verse 18, and then he gives it again in verse 19, and then he gives it again in another way in verse 20, and in another way in verse 21. He is trying to help us understand that there's no message more important than the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Let's read it. The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. I want to make something clear to you. I still sin. I still fall. I still make mistakes. I still look the right way right in the face and still choose the wrong way sometimes. But I am a child of God and my relationship to sin now is far different than it was before I knew Jesus. Before I knew Jesus, I was a slave to sin. But because I have received Jesus into my life, I have a new master. And when sin comes into my life, he deals with me immediately. How about you? He doesn't wait, does he? When you go the wrong way, when does conviction come? A week later? No, I don't know about you, but conviction comes right then for me. Because I have a new daddy. I have a new master, and that's my Lord. So the sin of this one man, Adam, calls death to rule over us. Look at this, but, and I don't know exactly how to say this today. It's going to sound odd, but I need to say it. There are some big buts in this scripture today. <laughs> okay. I, just, I tried to figure another way to say that. So y'all go and tell people our pastor said there are big buts in the Bible. Here we go. 
Some of y'all are going, he didn't just say that. Yes, he did. But, there's one of those big buts. All who receive God's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness will live in what? Over what? That doesn't mean we don't sin, but it isn't our master anymore. We live free now. We live free of that master. We do not live free of sin because we are human and we go in ways we shouldn't go and we have attitudes we shouldn't have and we do things we shouldn't do, but we are immediately convicted of that sin. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that because he is now our daddy and Satan is not our daddy anymore, that he comes to bring correction in our life. The Bible says if you're being corrected by God, it doesn't mean you're not his child. It means you are his child. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that if God is not correcting you, that is not a good sign. Because God does correct his kids. Gracious gift. Receive. But all who receive God's wonderful gracious gift of righteousness will triumph over sin and Death. That, that's really good news right there. How? Through this one man. Who is that? Jesus. There's the gospel right there in that verse. There's the gospel right there in that verse. The gospel's not complicated. There it is right there in that one verse. Now it's in one verse in many places in the Bible. It's in passages. It's in chapters. It's in entire books. The whole Bible is the gospel message. Look at verse 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brought condemnation upon how many? Everyone. But, there's another what? Big but. But Christ's one act of righteousness makes how many people? All people right in God's sight and gives them life. Now, don't misunderstand that verse. It doesn't mean, as many churches preach, that because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, now we all automatically are his children. No, 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 no. We have to be adopted. He made the way, but we have to accept the way. Let's go to verse 19. Here it is again, the gospel again. Because one person disobeyed God, who was that? Many people became, but because one other person obeyed God, many people will be made right in God's sight. There's the gospel in verse 17. Then he turns around and says it again in verse 18. Then he turns around and says it again in verse 19. Look at verse 20. God's law. Everybody hold up your Bible. If you brought your Bible today, hold it up, hold it up. That's the law. That's the law. And this speaks specifically of the first part of that book, which is the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. How many of you know when the Word of God is preached it uncovers things you thought were not there. Amen? Or at least you tried to pretend they weren't there. But the word of God is a lamp. It is a light. And it shines in the dark places, revealing the truth. So God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, look what happened. God's wonderful kindness became more abundant. What love, what love. Verse 21. 
So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful kindness rules instead. That's what I was talking about. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the reason you can live free is not that you live in perfection, but the reason you live free is because now it doesn't rule you anymore. Does that make sense to you? Let's go back and read that verse again from the beginning. So just as sin used to rule over me, or it ruled over all people, and brought them to death. Now, because I've received what Jesus did, I've received his resurrection from the grave, I've received him into my life, now God's wonderful kindness rules in my life instead of Satan ruling in my life. And what this does is give us right standing with God. Now, I want you to hear me. Nothing, 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 nothing is more important in your life than right standing with God. <clears throat> now, it doesn't, I mean, God's cool with you being successful in this world. Matter of fact, in order for us to do the things we need to do here at Whitley Church, we need some people in our church family to be successful in this world. We need uh, people to, to be successful in business and, and to be able to contribute and help us do what God has called us to do here at Whitley Church. So I don't want you to misunderstand me today, but there is not, you are not successful if you are only successful in this world. You are most successful when you have right standing with God. How many of y'all remember that old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul? I gotta tell you, man, there's nothing more important for you to say and know it's true about yourself than to say it is well with my soul. And he says because of what Jesus did, it gives us right standing with God and resulting not only in right standing with God in this earth, but it is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord, okay? We talked about four things, four things that we need to understand about the death of Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus die? And the first thing we looked at was the purpose of his sacrifice. And the purpose of his sacrifice was substitutionary. Now let's read together. You see it up on the screen. It's kind of little, but I think you can read it down at the bottom. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins. And here's that substitution part. The just, who was just, who was holy, Jesus, he died for the unjust, substitutionary. Listen, he'd suffered and died so you wouldn't have to suffer. He paid for your sins so you wouldn't have to pay. So it was substitutionary. That he might bring us to God, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. That talks about the, his resurrection. Then in the second sermon in the series, we talked about the price of his sacrifice and the price of Jesus' sacrifice was suffering. Again, seen in the cross. The cross is an instrument of pain. The cross uh, shows us that when sin comes, suffering automatically follows. We talked about that in that message. There cannot be sin without suffering. There cannot be. 
So Jesus looked down and he saw that. The father looked down and he saw that. Adam and Eve, like in the video, fell in the Garden of Eden. They sinned. They chose sin. They chose to go their own way. They chose to do their own thing. So now there must be a price pay. There is a penalty. There is suffering. And so that you and I would not have to bear the suffering of our sin because, and I know we don't hear this preach much anymore, but we preach it here If you do not receive the price Jesus paid for your sin, then you have to pay it. And the way you pay it is eternity in hell. And I know we don't hear about that. And I know preachers don't talk about that. And I know we have preachers who used to believe in that who are coming out now saying they don't believe in that anymore. You know, it really doesn't matter. What matters is what is in the Bible. The Word of God is clear. So there is a purpose of sin, it is substitutionary, there is a price for sin, it is suffering. Now we're going to look at the last two today, number three, the permanence of his sacrifice, the permanence of his sacrifice. This carries with it the idea that what Jesus did on the the cross, listen, listen, settles our debt. It settles it forever. Now let's look at it in the word of God. There's one little word in there we need to look at. 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ also suffered, everybody say it, once. Now that's a big little word. Now when you're reading the Bible, you need to really look at those little words. Those big buts. (laughs) They mean a lot. That word once is huge. It means he didn't suffer twice. It means he doesn't have to suffer again. Listen, he suffered once, which carries with it the idea once and for all, never to be repeated again. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the sin debt was once paid for all eternity, fully paid. God's requirement for justice when Jesus died on that cross was settled. It was paid. The debt was paid. When Jesus hung his head on the cross, gave up his spirit to God, you remember as he hung there on the cross that day, he said, Father, you guys remember it, say it with me, Father, into thy hands I commend my, he died, he died, Jesus died. And then Jesus said on the cross, after he said, Father, into thy hands I, tetelestai, And that word tetelestai means it is finished. It means it is now paid up, paid in full. Now, if you owe something and somebody goes and pays that debt for you, you do the happy dance, isn't that right? But you have the choice of rejecting their help. You have the choice of rejecting their assistance, of rejecting what they pay, and you say, I'll pay it myself. You have that same choice with God. When the Romans ruled the world, and a man was put in a Roman prison for a crime against the state, there was written document, there was a document written about him, and it was nailed to the door of the prison cell he was in. He's in that prison cell, he's suffering He's paying his debt to society. So on that piece of paper that's nailed to the door of his prison cell are all the crimes he committed against the state. 
Also on that piece of paper was how long he would be in jail and also how he would have to suffer because there were things in addition to just being in bondage that people who brought, broke Roman law had to suffer. And so all of that was on that piece of paper. When he finished his time in jail, they would take that piece of paper off the wall and they would write across it, tetelestai, or paid in full, and then they would give him that document. And if he ran into someone who recognized him as a criminal and they began to accuse him and say, I know you stole my, from my family or you did this or you did this or you did this, he could pull out that piece of paper and say, I've paid my debt to society. Now that is the word of God to us. But you can't just pull out the Bible and say he paid it. You have to pull out the word of God and say he paid it, he provided a way, and I have accepted it. I have walked over that bridge. Our sin was laid upon the Lord Jesus and he willingly carried our sin to the cross. Willingly he died for us. When he bowed his head, he said, it is finished. It is paid in full. God can never demand. Now you, listen, you can keep bringing up your old sins all you want to, but God doesn't remember them against you anymore. Some of you sitting right here listening to me preach, you've repented of your sin, you've asked God to forgive you, you've even been to other people and asked them to forgive you of your sins, but you haven't let it go. You haven't released it. You haven't let it go. And the enemy keeps using it against you and you keep allowing him to. So that's something you need to settle in your own heart as you're drawn nearer to God uh, because he is not gonna hold you in double jeopardy. God doesn't bring back old sins and hold them up before you. And the people said, come on guys, we gotta get that. Some of you don't talk about it. You don't bring it up but you think about it all the time. And I have people come up to me and say, I just don't know that God can use me because pastor, I gotta tell you, before I knew him, it doesn't matter what happened before you knew him, it is gone, it is gone. To him, it's like you never did it. He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. He throws it as far as the east is from the west. You can bring it up before you. Others can bring it up before you, but he will never bring it up before you because it's gone, it's paid, it's done, it's under the blood. Romans 8, 33 and 34, let's read it. Who dares accuse us? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? I want you to notice that some of you your self-esteem is down in the bottom of the barrel because of the way you view yourself. I want you to notice in that very first question in verse 33, it states in that question that God has chosen you. God has picked you. You say, well, I'm a nobody. Well, that's perfect. That's perfect. I, I, I graduated from Charles Baycock High School right down the street and Occasionally, I'll run into somebody in town who I went to high school with, and they'll go, I know you. You had more hair, and you were thinner, but you're, you're Farrell Hardison. Yeah, that's me. Man, what you doing now? Pastor Whitley Church, and I can tell in their face, they're thinking there is a God. 
there is a God in heaven because they remember me. They know all about me. I was a perfect C student. God has chosen us. See, those of us who uh, maybe don't have as many talents, maybe don't stand out, you know, as a matter of fact, and, and don't go there because I'll preach on it, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you'll just write that in your notes, if you're taking notes and go home and read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it talks about the kind of people God chooses. And one of the kinds of people God chooses is those who are not. And I didn't know what that meant, so I kind of looked that up. And it means people who the world acts like they don't even exist. God picks those people. So if you feel like that, if you feel like you don't even matter to the world, if you feel like you don't even exist, if, if Satan has put his foot on your head and just pushed you all the way down, maybe a parent told you you're never going to be anything, or a teacher, or maybe even a preacher told you you're never going to amount to anything, and so Satan used those words and just pushed you down to the bottom of the barrel, I tell you, you're a perfect candidate for God to do miracles through because he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the reason he picks people like Pharaoh Hardison is so people will go, there's a God. The Bible says those things the world discards, God says, that's what I'm looking for. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the things that the, the world rejects, the, the noble, those who have it all, God doesn't use them as much because uh, he doesn't get as much glory. It's people like us he picks and does great things through, then he gets big glory for you. See, it's all about the glory of God. So don't let him beat you down on that. So who's going to accuse us? Who's going to accuse the people God has chosen for his own? Will God accuse us? No. He's the one who has given us right standing with himself. He wouldn't accuse us. He's the one who saved us. Who then will condemn us? Will Christ, Jesus, what's the answer to that? No. For he is the one who died for us. And was raised to life for us and is sitting at the place of highest honor next to God pleading for us. So let me, let me just tell you, if God isn't going to accuse you, if God says you and him are okay and Jesus says you and him are okay, God the Father, God the Son says you and him are okay, does it matter what anybody else thinks? Let's go to Hebrews 10. We're going to read almost the exact same words. But our high priest, who is our high priest? Jesus, but our high priest Jesus offered himself to God as one, there it is, one time, one time, that word once, it is settled, it was done when it happened on the cross, that's it. Remember those little lambs? Remember those little lambs we talked about in the first sermon and how they had to be offered continually for the sins of men? Jesus, when he died on the cross, he said, that's done. You don't have to offer the lambs anymore. You don't have to offer the bullock. You don't have to offer the dove. It is done. It is paid. One sacrifice, four sins, good for how long? That's good stuff right there, man. Then when Jesus did that and ascended into heaven, he took his seat at the place of highest honor at God's right hand. That's where he is now. There he waits until his enemies are humbled as a footstool under his feet. For by that, here it is again, there it is, you see it? See it in the word of God? For 
by that, everybody say it, one offering, he perfected forever all those whom God is making holy. You say, time out. I am not perfect. But you have to understand justification. I'm so glad we went back in our worship this morning. Did y'all like singing that old song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus? See, that's that covering of sin. So that when God the Father sees us after we have received Jesus Christ in our heart, God the Father, our judge, looks down and sees us through the blood of Jesus. And when he sees us through the blood, he sees us pure. He sees us sanctified. He sees us set apart from the world. He sees us sinless. Because see, there's only one level of righteousness that can get you into heaven, and it's the righteousness of Jesus. Listen to me, listen. Here's why good works won't get you into heaven. Because your good works are as, okay, there's filthy rags. Now I could tell you what that means, and it's pretty gross. Back in those days, lepers would wrap themselves in rags and their sores where their fingers would fall off and their ears would fall off and their nose would fall off because the sin of leprosy or the disease rather of leprosy is one of uh, blood circulation. doesn't go to the extremities of the body and the body actually decays. Toes and feet, legs, fingers, hands, ears, nose fall off. And when they fall off, there's drainage into those rags that they wrap themselves in. And it's very infectious and very contagious. And when he compared our personal righteousness, working at the soup kitchen, giving money to the church, going yesterday and working at Princeton Community Day, God bless you for that, God bless you for that, but that doesn't make you any more righteous. It doesn't make you any more, doesn't make God love you anymore. Should we do it? Of course we should do it because God says they won't believe the message until you demonstrate the message. That's why we're out there doing it. We want people to see the love of Jesus in us and say, I don't know what you got in you, but I want some of that. But the righteous, the best we can do is those filthy rags of those lepers. That's the best we can do on our own. So he makes us righteous. Watch this. The day Pharaoh Hardison got saved, the day Pharaoh Hardison received Jesus Christ into his heart, here's what happened. Jesus imparted his righteousness to me. He, impart, he washed my sins away. He forget, But what he did that makes me worthy of heaven is he covered me with his righteousness so that when the judge now sees me, he sees his son. Because the only people who can go into heaven are people, who are, are people who have the righteousness of Jesus. And the only way you can have the righteousness of Jesus is have it given to you as a gift. You can't attain it on your own. Are y'all with me? So it's given to you as a gift. That's what it means there when he talks about he perfected us. And he is making us holy. He's still working on me. Everybody's saying to make me what I ought to be. If y'all don't sing, I'm going to keep singing. <clears throat> First Peter 3.18, Christ suffered once for sin. Hebrews 1, or our high priest offered himself to God as one sacrifice for sins, good for all time. And by that one offering, he perfected forever all those he is sanctifying. You're always in process here. You're always in process here. 
You're always in process of becoming more like Jesus. I don't care if you're 85 years old, 95, 105. You are always in process. But when you pass from this life into the next, you will receive glorification. And you're not going to get that till you get to heaven. I know some people who think they got it now. And they don't. It is done. It is finished. You can't add anything to his, present, to his provision for your salvation. You can't add anything to it. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. You could fast for the next 10 days and serve the poor and give the church $100,000 and I would do the happy dance. But that doesn't make you any more righteous. It doesn't make him love you any more because his love is perfect. The good news about that is if you went out here and messed up and did something terrible, he wouldn't love you any less either. Because his love is not based on what you do or don't do. You're the apple of his eye no matter who you are or where you are in your, in your life. You're the apple of his eye. Because of what Jesus did, there's nothing else to do. He did everything that needed to be done. Jesus suffered once and for all. Jesus offered a permanent sacrifice okay the purpose of jesus death is substitutionary the price of jesus death is suffering the permanence of jesus death uh tells us that it is settled it is a settled sacrifice let's look at number four in closing in closing in closing the provision of his sacrifice the provision of his sacrifice is that it is a sufficient sacrifice. It is plenty and more. It is plenty and more. And I'll explain that. 1 Peter 3, 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Here it is, here it is, here it is. Here's the provision. That he might bring us back to God. Where were we separated from God? Where were we? Remember the video? In the Garden of Eden, we were separated from God. Remember all those verses I read from Romans? Because of the first Adam, we all inherited sin. But the second Adam, the second man who came, Jesus came and fixed it all and provided a way back. It's a provision. Jesus provided a bridge back to God. And that's a great name for a church. Exactly. God didn't move. God didn't, God didn't move. We moved. God is always where he has been. He is sitting on his throne of righteousness. He is sitting on his throne of holiness. God never moved. We moved. Our sin, what we did against him, that's what separated us. That's what distanced us from God. The Lord Jesus suffered and bled and died on that cross. And by his one sacrifice, he paid our debt that he might return us back to the Father. Let's read Romans 5 and 10. For since we were restored to friendship with God. Hallelujah. Can, guys, can y'all say thank God right there? We're restored back to friendship with God. For since we were restored to friendship with God, how? By the death of his son, not by you, not by you, not by you, but by the cross. While we were still his enemies. You know what that means? While you didn't care about him. 
Listen, listen, listen to me. You might be here today and go, I don't want God, I don't want Jesus, I don't want the Bible, I don't want this church. Somebody bugged the daylights out of me and that's why I'm here today and I don't want to be here and I don't care anything about God. He died for you. You say, well, I don't care if he died for me. He still died for you. You say, I don't even care if he loves me. He will hunt you down like a hound dog. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he will not leave you alone. We will continue to pray for you. And he will continue. I'm telling you, the Bible calls him a greyhound. He will get on your trail. And every time you think you've gotten away from him, he's right there. You remember Pilate? Pilate said, bring out a basin, man. I got to wash this guy. I got to get him off my hands. I got to get this Jesus off my hands. And he was dipping his hands in that water. He couldn't get Jesus off his hands. You can't get Jesus off your hands. You can't escape him. He loves you. He loves you. He will pursue you. I wish he'd just leave me alone. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't want that. So Jesus, for since we were restored, look at that Romans 5.10, for since we were restored to friendship by God, by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies. He didn't wait till we loved him. He didn't wait till we appreciated it. He didn't wait until we understood it and appreciated it and thanked him for it. He loved us even though we rejected him. Thank God. Listen, listen. I wouldn't be a Christian today if he didn't do it for me while I was his enemy. We will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment because he rose from the dead. Let me do a little drama. Can you guys see my little drama deal? You get, here's holy God. Holy God, sinful man. Holy God, sinful man, great chasm. What is this chasm? What is it? Sin. Sin divides us from God. Where did it happen? Garden of Eden. So you got holy God over here, sinful man over here. Holy God loves sinful man. Did holy God move? No. Who moved? Sinful man. Sinful man's the one who moved. Did God stop loving him, get mad at him, stop loving him? No. The Bible says sinful man sinned and sinful man sin increased, and so God increased his kindness. Wow. I just read it to you out of the Bible, book of Romans. So sinful man's over here, and after he does his thing for a while, didn't take Adam and Eve long to go, I need holy God. As a matter of fact, there's something in me that yearns for holy God. Can I tell you there, there's something in every human being that yearns to know God? Um, Osama bin Laden had something in him that wanted to know the God we know. Now, he took wrong paths and went wrong ways. And people have that choice. They can do that to try to fill that void. But the void they're trying to fill is that hole that God left in you that yearns for him. That yearns for him. Every person you talk to, every person you encounter, every person you come up against has a desire in them to know God. Don't ever forget that. When you're witnessing, when you're talking to people about your church and your God and your Bible and your Jesus and they act like they're making fun and they're laughing, don't ever forget that down deep inside they want to know that God too. They want to know him too. And I know some of you are thinking you don't know the guy I work for. Some of you are thinking you don't know my husband. (laughs) You don't know my wife. I know some people, Pastor, that I don't think 
seriously have any desire for God? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's in everybody. So sinful man says, I need holy God. Not only that, I long for holy God. So sinful man says, I tell you what I'm going to do. Since I'm so smart and I'm so ingenious and since I'm so creatively made and since I've got, I am just so, uh, I got it all. Everything, uh, Oprah Winfrey religion, everything I need is already inside me. Amen? That's what she teaches. You don't need anything outside you. All you need is you just got to tap into the deity in you. There's a Greek word for that, baloney. <laughs> so, so he's over here and he goes, I'm going to get the holy God. And so he starts building bridges out of temporary materials. And, and he gets right here and it falls. <laughs> and he gets right here and he walks out on it and it collapses and he goes into the abyss. And he keeps trying, he keeps building these bridges, but they never make it. They never get all the way over because what he's building it out of, it's combustible material. It's temporary material. It's materials that crumble and disintegrate. Oh, he builds elaborate bridges and they don't work, so he builds more simplistic bridges and they don't work and he builds what he considers to be ingenious bridges, but they don't work. They all collapse and those who try to cross them fall into the chasm and perish there because it is impossible for sinful man to build a bridge that will span from here back to God. So holy God looks down at sinful man trying to build bridges to him, Tower of Babel. And instead of holy God getting mad and doing what I would do, just nuke the whole crowd and start over. Thank God (laughs) he doesn't have my level of mercy. Holy God looks at, at, at what sinful man is doing and listen, holy God's moved. He's moved with compassion that sinful man is trying to get to him. He's filled with love. He's filled with compassion. And, and he's filled with mercy for the pitiful plight of sinful man. So holy God says, I know what I'll do. I'll provide a bridge. So he looks at his son Jesus. And he establishes the deity of his son Jesus over here. And he establishes the humanity of his son Jesus over here. And on rough hewn beams, Jesus dies and bleeds. And a bloody cross becomes the bridge for man to walk over to get back to God. Now some of you are going, that's narrow-minded. That's narrow-minded. The world says that what I just said is narrow-minded and that we're a bunch of Bible thumpers and we're crazy and, and we're over here and they drive by and wonder what in the world are those weird people doing in that church because they hear stuff about us. I don't know where they hear it because it ain't true. I went in a restaurant one day, imagine that, <laughs> and a guy from another church in town said, hey, uh, Hey, y'all got one of them uh, big old sparkly balls that hangs down from the ceiling. And y'all shine a light on it, and and it's got like disco in there. I said, really? Yeah, I heard y'all got one of them. I said, you know what? We don't, but that's a good idea right there. (laughs) I might do that. That's pretty cool right there. Because, you know, I come from the days of... (laughs) I come from those days. <clears throat> and then 
God builds that bridge and holy God establishes that all sinful men who will walk across that bridge will come to him. And again, people say, that's that's narrow-minded. And people will say to me, I'll even have said to me sometimes, it's it's not very often because we live in the Bible Belt, so you don't hear it as much as you would in other parts of the country, but people say to me, the thing that bothers me about you guys, guys like you, and they're talking to me, is that y'all think your way's the only way. You, you think, you, 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 just, you, just cut, you just push every other religious system aside and you're arrogant and you're proud because you think your way's the only way. And here's my answer to that. If there had been another way, do you think God would have required his only son to go through what he went through to provide a way? I mean, if I'm up in heaven and I got one son and there are 50 ways to God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put my son through. I'm going to go, look, son, just, there are other ways, man. You want? Jesus said in the garden when he was praying, if there's any other way, God, if you can get sinful man back to you any other way, will you please, sir, let this cup pass? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Um, One songwriter put it this way. He said, I'll never catch sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. I'll never catch sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. Abraham Lincoln had a son, and his son's name was Tad. And Tad had a severe cleft palate. Now today, when a child's born with a cleft palate, it's amazing what they can do. Almost make it disappear. Um... Back in that day, there was very little that could be done, so, so Tad had a very severe speech impediment. Because of that, uh, Abraham Lincoln kind of doted on him and kind of had a special compassion and a special mercy and a special love for Tad. And Tad could get stuff from his daddy that the rest of the Lincoln kids couldn't get. One day, some frontiersmen who knew Abraham Lincoln in Kentucky before he was really famous, and he used to hang out with them and go hunting with them and stuff like that, they decided after he became president, they were going to go up to the White House and visit him. So these frontiersmen went up there, and they they knocked on the door, and somebody came to the door, and uh, they said, we want to see the president. We're from Kentucky. We're his old friends. So that doorman went to the president, came back down, and said, "He, he can't see you. Um, he can't make time for you. They tried again and again and again. And finally, they just became discouraged and just could not believe it. Abraham Lincoln would not meet with them. It was not politically expedient for him to meet with them. He had something on his mind called the Civil War. So they're across the street in front of the White House, and they're talking about this one day, and Tad hears these frontiersmen talking. And they don't know who Tad is, and Tad goes... uh, you know, what are, what are you talking about? And they said, we can't get in and see the president. We've known him. We knew him before he was president. We knew him before he was all important and stuff. And uh, we're his old friends, and he's forgotten his old friends, and we can't get in where he is. 
And Tad said, uh, I can get you in. And they just kind of laughed and said, really? He said, yeah, I can get you in. You want to see the president? They said, yeah. So they just kind of looked at each other, and they said, well, let's follow this little lad and see what happens. Tad walked right up to the front door of the White House and opened the door and walked right on in. All these guards are there and the, all the people that work there and all the staff, he walked right by every one of them, those frontiers, and he just walked right by every one of them just like that. <laughs> Goes right up to the office door and he says, wait right here. He walks into his dad's office. He says, Daddy. Abraham Lincoln says, yes, son. He says, Daddy, I've got some men out here, frontiersmen from Kentucky, and they want to talk to you. And he said to his son, any friend of yours, Tad, is a friend of mine. Bring him in. When Pharaoh Hardison knelt on his knees and said, I want to know the king. I'm separated from the king. I want to know the king. Jesus took me by the hand, walked me right up to the father and said, Jesus, father, I have a friend, a new friend, and his name is Pharaoh Hardison. And God the father said to Jesus, any friend of yours is a friend of mine. And through Jesus, I was reconnected back with the Father from the separation that happened in the Garden of Eden. But there's an extended benefit. Not only have my sins been forgiven, and not only does Jesus live in me, and not only do I have the abundant life now, I have an extended benefit of I'm no longer going to hell. Well, I don't even believe in hell. Well, you better. <laughs> not only am I not going to hell, I'm going to live with the king. Because I'll, I'm a child of the king. I'm a prince. I am part of that royal lineage, and his blood now flows through my veins in the spirit. So it isn't just that I'm made right with God in this world and I have abundant life now and his presence and his guidance and his direction and his blessing and all of that, but my benefit's been extended that I get to spend eternity with the one who made me. Through Jesus. Through Jesus. Father, thank you for the good news. Thank you for the gospel. And God, I know that what I've preached, people have heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it, but we need to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. We need to be reminded every Sunday, really, in every sermon I preach, the gospel message ought to be in there somewhere. No matter what I'm preaching on, because the gospel is everything. The gospel is everything. The death of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection from the grave is everything. And people say, well, what about getting filled with the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in John chapter 16 that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, so we will talk about the cross. We are filled with the Spirit, so we will talk about what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit is coming, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You will tell the world about me. You will speak of me. Father, help us understand that. 
It isn't that we, we take advantage of the gospel and then we move on to something better. There is nothing better. The gospel is everything. The good news is everything, and we ought to hear it over and over and over so that when someone asks us about it, we have heard it so many times, it just rolls off our tongue as we tell them about the bloody bridge that was built by God our Father through the obedience of God the Son. If there's somebody here today who doesn't know you, I pray right now they will receive you. I pray right now that they will stop running, that they will stop saying, well, when this happens, when that happens, uh, and I've got my feelings hurt, and blah, 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 get over it. Because those are excuses given to you by the enemy to keep you from God. A, A preacher hurt my feelings. I know a preacher who ran around with another woman. I know a preacher who stole money from the church. Get over it. Get over it. Preachers will fail you. Churches will fail you. People will fail you. We're pointing you to one today who will never let you down. Who will never fail you. He may do things sometimes you don't understand, but it's always for your best. So just open your heart and say, Jesus, this Sunday morning right now, come into my life. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. I invite you to come in and take over. I want to give the rest of my life to you. I want to give the rest of my days to you. I want to dedicate my talents and my gifts and my abilities. I want to give them to you. Some of us hold all that back from God, but we want God's best. It doesn't work that way. You give him your best, you receive his best. So God, here I am. Take me. Some of you Christians who have limited your Surrender to God. Don't limit it. Give him everything. It isn't enough that he is just your Savior. Let him be your Lord. Let him be your master. But pastor, I'm afraid if I do that, what will he require? He will require of you what you would do yourself if you had the good sense to choose it. Let him into your life fully. Stop running. Stop running and let him into your life fully. Everybody stand. Would you just stand? Everybody on their feet. Father, we receive the gospel today. We receive the word of God today. And God, we accept your call to go tell it, to go share it, to go give it to others who need it. We thank you, God, for those who are watching online today. And if there's a man or a woman or a boy or girl who is watching us right now, maybe they're watching in some other country or maybe they're watching right down the street, it doesn't matter. I ask you, have you given your your life to God? Have you given everything to God? It's time to stop playing games. It is time to understand what he has done for us and it is time for us to come to him fully and give him our all. Receive him today. We are up here in the altar We're going to have prayer ministers up here in the altar. We want to pray with you this morning. As you leave the service, make sure that you're very quiet as you're exiting. And if you're going to talk, please go to the back, out in the hallways. We want to make this a sacred area of prayer this morning. We'll pray for you if you're sick. We'll pray for you if you're needing a job. Whatever you need, you come. We will pray with you. We'll talk to you about Jesus who loves you and wants to help you and make himself real in your life. If you're here for the very first time, we have a gift for you. 
And we hope you'll pick it up right back here at the Guest Welcome Center directly behind you. And uh, your Connect card, guys, we really need to get that from you. And you can drop it off at the Guest Welcome Center or you can drop it off at the uh, Connect Center out in the foyer. There's a little table out this way. You can leave it on that little table out this exit. We need that card from you. Don't forget that. Remember missions uh, in your giving. If you didn't get to drop your offering in this morning, uh, you can leave that at the Connect Center as well. We love you. Thank you for coming to church today. God bless you.